0: Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Darren Moffat. Darren is the Director for Strategy and Content at WebBuzz and is based in Sydney, Australia. I'm up in Brisbane in Australia, so I always uh, love having a chat with people from all around the world, but particularly those who are who are based in Australia as well. So Darren, great to chat with you. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Yeah, g'day Jono. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here.
0: So first of all, for our listeners, can you give everyone a bit of an overview of who you are and and what you do?
1: Okay, well, um, I am a middle-aged white male (laughs) living in (laughs) Sydney, Australia, um, and um, I I do a a couple of things. I'm a bit of a sort of a mongrel breed. Um, I've got a finance business, which I've had for about 15 years, which is called Seniors First, and that does... Uh, reverse mortgage finance for people over sixty, and that's uh, pretty successful. Uh, that was my first business, and then um, I, over a period of probably two or three years, I taught myself online marketing to grow that business out of necessity. And around 2012, 2013, that led to other people asking me, "You yeah, can you help?" Uh, and spawned a whole other business called Web Buzz, which is a digital marketing agency.
0: Incredible. And uh, what does a day in the life of Darren in Sydney look like?
1: Well, it's pretty busy, but, you know, it, most people are busy these days, so that's, there's nothing special about that. But I think maybe a couple of quick highlights. It is pretty diverse. Um, I have to chop and change from different uh, roles and functions each day. Uh, so with the Seniors First Business, it's more sort of top-level strategic Um you know, the, I've got good people in that business. I don't need to be hugely operational in that business. Uh, but in the agency business, it's really quite operational and hands-on. And I'll go from doing, you know, creative work for a client to, you know, maybe managing, um, developing a strategy, managing some staff, um, rolling out new projects. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's a very diverse uh, experience. And it's, um, you've got to be very good at time management. and um, Often, uh, at the end of the day, I I do feel a little frazzled sometimes, but (laughs) uh, it's never boring, is is what I
0: can say. I think everyone can resonate with that. Um, So it would be great to find out a bit more about your story. So we'd love to hear some of the moments that really shaped you becoming the leader and the person you are today, Darren. Feel free to go back as far as you want.
1: Okay, well, um, I can actually share a little story with you from when I was – a child, I don't want to bore people to tears, but it's quite, I do recall <laughs> this, it's reasonably interesting. Um, so when I was about uh, probably eight or nine, I was in the scouts and I was on a scout uh, trip, you know, like um, camp or something. And it, was, it, was, it wasn't was just our troop, there was a bunch of other troops. And I remember we were given an activity. We all had to kind of sit down in groups and um, build a village uh, out of, um, sticks and stones and whatever we could find you know so we had to kind of build like a little village and um I I distinctly remember at that point that was supposed to be a collaborative exercise but uh, I remember at that point that uh the people that I was collaborating with just weren't doing it the way I wanted to do it so I went off and built my own village (laughs) and (laughs) um and that's a little bit of a metaphor for what's happened I guess later in life I mean I'm I'm I don't want to give people the wrong impression. I love collaboration and I do enjoy um, working with other people, but um, I've always had a fairly strong vision for the way I I want to do things. And so, yes, uh, I do remember doing that as as an eight or nine-year-old and thinking, "Mm, is is that normal? It might be a bit strange (laughs) behaviour, but anyway, it it is what it is. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's a great story <laughs> entrepreneur from from a young age um what about as you got another on? one too actually yeah, yeah please go for it
1: well I, yeah i can give you another quick one um that i remember when i was much younger when i was about sort of five five or six first year at school second year at school tops and i remember organizing children in the playground um putting them into groups and uh you'll do this you'll do that for some sort of made-up game or something and Uh, you know, again, um, that's carried over into real life. Um, So it's an interesting sort of nature versus nurture question really, isn't it? Because a lot of people listening to this podcast would have similar um, events in their past in the sense that there'd be things in in their early childhood that they could remember that seem to be repeated as patterns of behaviour throughout their life. And so it really does um get to the point well how much of it is just encoded in your genes and yeah. how much of it is learned behavior so it's a, it's a fascinating question and and you know um it's uh, obviously different for different individuals
0: yeah it is and uh but you you're right it's that's why i love hearing people's uh, people's stories because you always find out where you know, for some people, there was something that was very natural in their gifting that just was, and it was quite organic, even though it's it's often not linear. But then others really pivot and and go, I need to chase this, and that's where some doors open for them. So, for you, as you did get older, and and um, you know, particularly, I'm always interested in that moment where you know, whether it was in teenager twenties, you know, uh, where, was there a moment where you that was very pivotal for you at that sort of age in terms of taking the path you've taken as an entrepreneur?
1: Uh, That's a good question, John. Yes, um, I can give you uh, a good example of that. So um, parallel to my sort of working career, uh, I played in bands for many years. And uh, in my 20s, I uh, managed or co-managed the band that I I was also playing in. And that was probably the first real time that the sort of entrepreneurial streak kind of manifested, if I can put it that way. And in that group, you know, I organised with the co-manager, it was the two of us that were driving it. We actually organised a a, a tour to London. Uh, We got, uh, we, uh, got some money out of the Australia Council and we went over to the UK, and we had our song uh, played on the radio over there, and we did four shows, five shows over in London, and um, and that really took a lot of what you would call leadership. You know, setting the strategic path. You know, having a plan, implementing the plan, organising people, uh, dealing with stakeholders, uh, and that was an incredibly powerful experience because putting something on like that. the and it ultimately ended in terrible failure, which I can share with you in a minute. Mm. Um, but but putting on something like that and getting all the way over there, um, it really does send a message to to your subconscious that oh wow, you know, I can I can make stuff happen. Uh, so so yes, uh, managing managing bands in my twenties would would probably be the key experience there.
0: Yeah, I'd love to hear. Uh, because I have my own story of, uh, of being in a band and, uh, when I was 17, 18 and funnily enough, I just discovered it over, over here in Australia, we have triple J, which is our sort of local, um, uh, local radio meant for sort of younger, uh, younger people, young adults sort of age maybe would be Mm -hmm. the sort of target. And, um, was one of our band members must've put our songs up on triple J unearthed. Uh, and so I stumbled across that yesterday and it was, whoa, it was like, whoa, this is a blast from the past. And, uh, yeah, we, we really, we didn't travel internationally. That's incredible that you guys, uh, went over to London. That's amazing. Um, but, uh, I'm keen to hear the rest of that story. So what happened for you as a member of that band as the manager? And like you mentioned, uh, the, the failure that followed the, the trip to London.
1: Yes, oh, it's it is a good story actually. Um, I've told this story a few times over the years, and um, and it, it it demonstrates a a bunch of key key things actually. So what happened was um, we had a lot of interest from record companies uh, in London, and at that time our sound was very uh, very similar to Radiohead. So this is back in the very late '90s, and Radiohead was a, a massive band, and we we sounded and looked a, a bit like them. So people were sort of record companies were after the next radio. Um, and we, you know, we had really generated all this interest and our song was getting played on XFM in London. And I, I remember hearing it on the radio as we were driving around in the tour bus, like the second day or so after we arrived, and it was incredibly exciting. Um, but <laughs> here comes the bar. Uh, we, the smart thing to do when you're doing a tour is, uh, you do a warm-up show uh, off Broadway, so to speak. So you do a warm-up show that no one important goes to and you, you blow out the cobwebs, make the mistakes, you know, all that kind of stuff. And um, we, we didn't do that. We uh, instead um, had all the a people, the record companies at the very first show. And unfortunately the very first show was, was the worst show of the tour. Um, and, you know, I broke a bass sprint string and
0: no. the singer
1: was really not having a good night. Uh, we were a bit awkward. We were nervous as hell. And, you know, we literally watched those record company people kind of just leave, you know. Uh, so it was quite disheartening. And then, you know, we ended up playing some killer shows after that. But of course, by then it was too late. And ultimately, Uh, the band then imploded (laughs) so uh, people just went I'll stop this and (laughs) it it was all over so um, yeah uh, that's what happened and it was a great lesson because uh, you know very disappointing but one of the lessons there is is do your homework be prepared Um, you know war game think about you know all the different uh, contingencies that might occur and how to manage them And the other learning I took out of it is that even in the midst of that failure, I remember standing on the station at a a train station in North London called Mill Hill and uh, telling my uh, fellow band member that I was going to go off and start another band and do something different. It was going to be better. And, And that's what I did. So, yes, even in the midst of failure, it can often provide the path forward. And and also the motivation uh, to go off and achieve something else.
0: Yeah, thank you for sharing that story. You can always hear uh, in a story like that. There's still a bit of pain in in, in sharing that. But I love um, <laughs> I love uh, the similarity to another podcast I, I did with someone recently who talked about what they learnt. They had this big learning in a school. It was a school leader saying that they tried to roll out this big new curriculum across their whole school in one hit. And they went, oh my goodness! They they had all these sort of teething problems, and it just it sort of blew mm. up. And and they realized now what they've learned from that is when they're going to do a, a you know something that significant, they they do what you said, right? You know, the off Broadway test it, get it right before you um, really bring in the stakeholders. And it's just funny that that the same leadership lesson in a school with curriculum uh, is really something that that I guess you you went through and and learnt in a band uh, on the other side of the world in London. So um, appreciate you sharing that story. As we, as we fast forward to your, you know, career leading in a business sense, are there any moments with um, seniors first or, or with uh, the digital, you know, with sort of the digital marketing you do, are there, are there any really pivotal moments over that over this season that come to mind as a leader? As a leader. Um, or as an entrepreneur as well.
1: Yeah, there's a few. Yeah, I mean, I, I would think um, the GFC in 2008, 2009, um, that was a real eye-opener. So by that point, I'd been running the, the Seniors First Business for a couple of years and, and you know, I got it up and running. It was my first business and I got it up and running pretty quickly. It was doing really quite well and I had about 10 um, staff and Um, it was really steaming along. And then when the GFC happened, it sort of completely messed with the business model and the supply. So there were about 20 lenders in the market at that time offering reverse mortgages. And then uh, within the space of three months, that had gone down to four. and, And it just, all the financial model completely changed. So at that point, I was spending a fair bit of money on radio advertising every month. Wow, and I just yeah. realized, you know, if I keep doing this, I'm going to go broke. Like, because it, it's difficult for people who were younger uh, who or who weren't directly in the finance industry to maybe understand what it was like. And it, it literally, it, the GFC was a, oh my God, what's going to happen moment. You know, it was, it, there was the fear of the unknown and, and it was very difficult to get through that. But um Yes, I just realized very quickly I had to change, completely change the business, um, change the model, change the way that we did the marketing, um, and went into a bit of a holding pattern for a while, just out of necessity, Uh, and then uh, it was probably around six, seven years ago that things started to pick up again on the supply side, so some new uh, lenders uh, were coming into the market, and and you know that was the signal for me to go right. Okay, it's it's time to amp this up and you know really uh, hopefully you know get this back to where it was and 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 beyond and and it has done that. So it's, it's now you know we've got seven or eight staff and it's really doing very well and we've got an excellent name in the, in the in, in the market and and so so yes, I think you know the lesson there is you need to be able to pivot. You need to be able to adapt. Uh, to the market conditions and also take the long view you know so sometimes you know, in the moment it will feel like it's overwhelming and and you know that fear can kick in but you know I try to take the long view wherever possible and go well, look you know this is only a day this is only a week whatever it might be you know uh, we'll, we'll get beyond this and and sure enough you know that business now is 15 years old and uh, and and it's, you know, doing pretty well. So yeah, that would be an example in, 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 the finance business.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Um, I can only imagine that's one of those moments where that's all happening around you. And that must've been such a reality check to go, okay, the land, the landscape in this business and industry has just completely changed.
1: Well, I can give you a, a one very visceral example that's been sort of etched into my brain. Yeah. Um, my daughter was born. My first child was born uh, in uh, in that year, and uh, I remember coming home from the hospital, so I, obviously my my wife and the, and the child were still at the hospital. I, I came home to uh, you yeah, have a shower and, and and get some sleep before going back to the hospital. And when I checked my emails, it was that particular day that a couple of the lenders had sent me emails saying, Sorry, we're, we're out of this market. We're, uh, we we're not doing business anymore. And I, I just, it was, you know, one of those bittersweet moments. It's like, well, wow, it's a brilliant, amazing day, birth of my first child, and then I get two emails from uh, very important suppliers saying we're out of the market. And so, uh, yeah, funny, <laughs> funny times.
0: That's a roller coaster. <laughs> it is a roller coaster. Uh, um, so. One thing we were chatting about before we pressed record is around uh, marketing and obviously with the digital digital marketing agency and the work you do there. But I, I'm really interested in what you were saying around um, the future of marketing and where where you think for those listening, whether they're entrepreneurs, whether they're people who have their sort of day job but are wanting to do something on the side or leaders who want to understand more about marketing because at the end of the day, you know, that's that's really one half the coin, isn't it? If you can have an organisation that's bringing in um, and generating quality leads and attracting people to you, everything else, I, I feel like it's one of the biggest challenges. Um, so, yeah, feel free to unpack uh, unpack a bit around where you, where you feel like some of the future of marketing lies, Darren. Yeah, thanks, John. I
1: know that um, it, this is a really... I think it's a really interesting topic to talk about. So um, my hypothesis is that the next big marketing channel is online courses. Uh, so for entrepreneurs and business owners, particularly those who work in service-based businesses, online courses are are, are the next big thing. So what I mean by that is that well, let's say um, you're an accountant, you know, or you're running an accountancy firm and you're trying to reach, uh that sme market you know say between 500k turnover and 10 million million dollar turnover right that's a very contested market it's very competitive there's a lot of people out there um competing for for that market and a lot of the usual channels are completely flooded so linkedin is 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 a wonderful platform to advertise on but it's very saturated um and you can say similar things about most of the other channels so if you're on a saturated uh, channel um, you're, you can become commoditized and that means that the differentials then come down to to price or brand often now what an online course does is it, it positions you as the leading expert so not just a an expert but the leading expert in a particular niche of your offer so for instance if Your part of what you do is say self-managed super funds and you have a course on that. You can see the value of that. There's not currently there's very, very few uh, business owners and and entrepreneurs out there who are using courses as essentially a lead generation uh, source or a lead magnet. And that is a massive opportunity. And so to uh, really capitalize on that opportunity and, and, actually bring that to market, uh, we're developing a, a platform uh, called Nerd to Business. So we've already got a podcast called Nerd to Business, um, but we're converting it into an online course platform where the business owners and entrepreneurs um, can uh, potentially create a course and, and then and have that marketed uh, as, a, as a way to differentiate them in the market.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I, th- I, I completely agree because exactly what you're, what you're saying the the differentiation, and it's one of the reasons I love podcasts so much is, you know, I can, and what I love doing on this podcast is chatting with people around leadership, knowing that, um, you know, letting people behind the curtain, so to speak, in terms of what's not that much of a secret. Most people are trying to grow their businesses, aren't they? But, uh, with clarity, I'm, I'm fully aware that, I have to find a way for people who are going to work with me to coach them or do offsites so or there needs to be somehow we need to go from they've never heard of me to me being the obvious person that they'll they really believe can help them and that's what I love about online courses you have the ability to put something together that gives great value but also at the same time it takes someone on a journey where often they're spending a lot of time with you as the expert through the course, which is often a great lead generation tool, not only a great opportunity for revenue because you do it once and then it's done, but also for your maybe high ticket items for a service business, it means that, you know, maybe five out of a hundred people who do that course go, actually, this is, this has helped me so much. that I need to seek this person out to do the next step. And, um, so I, I tend to agree. I think, I think uh, it's definitely one of the best ways moving forward that you can create value. And also the fact you do it once rather than, you know, doing the same meetings over and over again, telling the same advice. You do that once, record it and really do it well. And then it's done and you can help people again and again without needing to to lift a finger.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's evergreen courses. And um, yeah, I agree with everything you, you said. I mean, it, it, it's, uh, it's a brilliant way for potential customers to get to know you. Um, but ha- having put together a bunch of these courses now myself um, and, you know, we're now uh, providing that service to businesses, you know, where sort of uh, not only can they, will they be able to get on the platform, but, you know, some people have course ideas or requirements where they, they don't want them to be public you know, that might be an internal course for staff or something like that, whatever it might be. The point uh, that I was going to make though is that putting such courses together is a real challenge. Um, and and it's, it's not just about filming, filming, it's not just about, you know, um, putting it on some sort of platform or getting it online. The real challenge is in laying out the content. It's in structuring the content, down into modules and short lessons, there's a real trend these days towards what's called micro-learning. So all the the research shows that people these days with short attention spans and screen time and all the rest of it, they learn better if the lessons are in really small bite-sized chunks, like 10 minutes, yeah? So you've got to be able to Mm -hmm. kind of map the content out, visualise it, structure it, script it, storyboard it, as you see, all this work happens before you even get to filming. Filming is a is a challenge in itself. You know, there's a question there around performance. So whoever's going to be the instructor, they have to you develop pretty good um, presentation skills. You know? yes. So um, that's that's a component that needs to be which worked is, on. Which is which is
0: partly different to face to face, right? Like, there's probably some different skills you need to be thinking about. Would you would you say?
1: oh very different it's a very different skill set and you know um and and to be frank it's not everyone's up to it you know like it's uh i'm, I'm talking with uh someone at the moment uh, about helping them put a course together and this particular person just doesn't want to be in the videos so it's her, her business she wants that she wants the course uh she needs the course but she just doesn't want to be the presenter so um so in her case we'll we'll you know, we'll we'll outsource that function. You know, we'll get a professional uh, presenter to to actually you know be on the screen. Um, but yes, there's just so many variables, and and it's it's a really big job. So um, so this is an interesting opportunity because I I do believe it's the next marketing channel. The interest in this is really growing for businesses, but it's a big problem. You know, that it's like who do I turn to? How can I produce all of this content? How can I make this course actually really good and not just bo- another boring, you know, fluffed up PowerPoint presentation? So, yes. um, so yeah, there's a real skill in putting it all together. But for those that can uh, or they can get the help from, from someone like us to do it, then the opportunity is massive.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think that there's a couple of different ways that I look at it and I see the big opportunity for for those listening, maybe going, how might this work for me in terms of an online course? The first one is to take, you know, your best that what's the piece of content, what's the idea, what's the, you know, that people, their eyes light up about that, or you just have a trend where that just goes crazy as as something that you do for people what's the really obvious one and if you can turn that into a course yes there's an upfront investment to to do all of that and or to get someone to help you do all of that but then once it's done you've turned a lead generation tool which at the moment might be a there you know, might be something you can give them a pdf or a video or, but you take it to another level you can make it quite an affordable entry point but it's priced so people you know are actually putting their putting their money in to say, yes, I'm a, I'm a qualified lead. And they spend that time with you and then suddenly if you can find a way to create ROI on your marketing of that and actually market it and have enough money coming in to at least break even, you've got this incredible lead generation tool. Um, but then the other opportunity is the really high ticket and that's what I love about your approach. When you're thinking through that in that much detail, you can put some really amazing high high ticket high value content together that really solves a unique problem for people that they have and once again mm-hmm. it's it's easy to look at the cost of working with an organization like yours and go oh it's an investment um, but that's exactly what it is it's an investment and then once it's done if that's truly helping people that's the real game changer i think and that's why i love your your approach around doing this is that you do it once, and then it's and then it works for you over and over again. Um, and it, I, I feel like it takes a bit of a mindset change, though. That's definitely something I've found approaching this. Sort it, of, it
1: does. That's, that's, that's a very good system. point you make. It, it is a mindset change, and and it's it, it's you know there's a leap of faith that goes into this because um, it's a it's a new relatively new form of marketing. It's it's a, it's a reasonable investment of. Uh, Money, but especially time, right? Like if you're going to do this, you really, you really got to put some time into it. It's that you're essentially trying to monetize your knowledge. So, so an an aspect of the knowledge and expertise that you've developed in your subject matter, you're you're monetizing it by creating course content. So, to some extent, you can't outsource that. I mean, there there are parts of it you can outsource, like in terms of production and content planning and so on. But you know. You, you as the business owner or the entrepreneur still have to take that knowledge out of your mind and put it into writing um, in a PowerPoint or, you know, we've got various templates and, and processes we use to facilitate that. But yes, it is an investment of time. But um, the question I would ask if people are listening to this thing, are going, mm, interesting, but I'm not sure I can, you know, uh, I, I can afford the time or I want to make that make that investment. The question I would ask is, who else do you see around you in your competitors doing that? There's virtually no one yeah. doing this at the moment. That's why yeah. it's a, it's a it's greenfield true, opportunity. True right? differentiation, so isn't if it? If you're the first, yeah, it's massive. If you're the first financial planner um, specializing in, um, uh, maybe uh, managing a divorce, you know, for women or something, uh, uh, and you do a course aimed at women and how to navigate the uh, the, the treacherous financial waters uh, of of separation and divorce. Where's Where's that course online at the moment? I can't find it anywhere. Right? Like, it, there's nothing. That, that's That's mm-hmm. what I mean. Any Anything you can imagine that people are searching for uh, for services, there's a course that that could be created for it. That's That's how big this yes. opportunity is.
0: Yeah, I I agree. Um, very very exciting. And uh, so as we sort of wrap up, where can people find you, particularly if they are wanting to get started on something like that? How do they how do they drop your line? Where can they find you on online, LinkedIn, et cetera?
1: Yeah, so um, there's a bunch of ways they could get to me. Um, Nerd to business is 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 the the podcast, and the, and and that'll be the course platform. So they could just look that up. Uh, or webbuzz.com.au. Um, I could come through that. Um, um, you know, there's not too many Darren Moffats out there. So if you just Google me, um, I've got a fairly large digital footprint. Uh, so um, at one way or another, people will get to me. Yeah.
0: Brilliant. Thank you, Darren. Uh, well, this has been uh, so helpful. And I love the, the the chat we've had around courses for for listeners. I know there'll be a bunch of you out there who, I've been wondering how do I differentiate my you know, small business or even larger organizations? We've tried five things now and nothing's really differentiated and, and that might have been a real um, game changer for you. Don't forget uh, for our listeners, we also have the John o. White Leadership Podcast where I give you different tips on how to cast vision and build a high-performance team. And leadership question of the day, with with a different question every day to put a stone in your shoe. Uh, but I want to finish today by saying a big thank you to Darren for being so generous with your time, uh, telling uh, you know really uh, s- telling us that soul story about your time over in London with the band, and and such a great leadership lesson from from that um, from that story, and and just being a joy to chat with the, about all things marketing and leadership. And um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Darren.
1: Thanks, Jono. No, I've really enjoyed the chat, and uh, congratulations on the podcast. And I hope it uh, continues to uh, to grow and to, and to get out there. And you know, I'm, I'm I'm always a big supporter of people who take the step to you know create content that helps educate. So, uh, so well done.
0: or clarity, and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community, and there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders